rock solid warrior for the Lord. Always, always consistent and faithful and steady. Hey, so good to be with you in the Lord's house today. How we doing? Great. Well, be in prayer for Brother Will. He and his family have headed off to Nationals where he'll be preaching Tuesday night. So you know what's happening here this Tuesday night? We're having Wednesday night church on Tuesday night. Okay? 7 o'clock, be here Tuesday night. Don't come Wednesday night because it'll be too late. We're going to move Wednesday night services to Tuesday night. We're going to simulcast Brother Will right here in the sanctuary live from Nationals. Isn't that awesome? Wow, man. That newfangled technology, man, it never it never stops, does it? Amazing. Uh, so be, be praying for him. Also, be praying for uh, Jean Green, her husband Bill, uh, faithful members of her church. He went to be with the Lord. Last week, his service is going to be tomorrow here at the church at 1230. Ray Copeland, Brother Ray, will be preaching that. So be in prayer for the family. Will you do that? Appreciate that very much. Now, the title of my sermon today is How to Be a Team Player. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 through 23, if you want to go ahead and turn there. While you're turning there, I want to make a few observations. Every year our church goes on a mission trip, and we, we take an army with us, an absolute army. And the things that get accomplished in a week's time are amazing. We had a mission trip service a, a few weeks ago after we got back from Hillsdale, and it was so neat just to sit back and listen to the people talk and see the pictures on the screen to really think about what all got accomplished because at the time it's going so quick and there's so much to be done you don't even realize what all's happening but in just a few days God accomplished a lot of great things at the campus of Hillsdale and it was it was an army of people working together for one cause each person doing their job and God used us to accomplish great things that that's pretty awesome isn't it I love that well all through scripture uh, we see the power of God's people coming together to accomplish amazing tasks. But we think of we think of great men like Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. We think about Joshua taking the promised land. We think about Gideon and his army defeating the Midianites. We think about King David unifying Israel and Judah. We think about Solomon building the temple. We think about Ezra rebuilding the temple after it was destroyed. We think about Nehemiah rebuilding the city wall around Jerusalem after it was destroyed. We think about all these individuals and, and how great they were. But guess what? With every one of those individuals was an army working together. Those things wouldn't have been accomplished by one person. Even Jesus, when he was on this earth, now he could have accomplished everything by himself if he wanted to, but what did he do? He put together a team. He put together a team of followers and disciples to carry on after he would go back to heaven, to carry on the work and the ministry, and to build the church. So today I want to talk to you about being part of the team and how to be a team player. We're going to be in Nehemiah 4, verses 7 through 23. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, The strength of the labors is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And all of our adversaries said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. 
So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, From whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, each to his own work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves, so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, Let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house today. We thank you for Jesus and for the gift of salvation. Thank you for your word, Lord, that speaks truth. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us. Father, right now as we come together for this time of worship, we just ask for your presence to be here, for your spirit to speak into our hearts. And Lord, speak this morning through me and speak to people's hearts and help them to respond to you as you would have them to. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, Jesus Christ is compelling us to be part of his church body and to take the gospel to the world. We are called to be on God's team. So I want to share three things today that you can do and need to do and must do to be part of God's team. First of all, remember that you are on God's team. The year was 1995. The campus of Oklahoma State University, go Jim, Stillwater, Oklahoma. I was a senior, engineering school. We were in the quarterfinals of the floor hockey tournament, intramural sports. A team of engineers had dominated the entire season. We were undefeated, had a remarkable record. And I was really thinking, Dave, I was really thinking that, you know, I might go on to become a professional hockey player. I mean, I couldn't skate, Doug, but I'm thinking, you know, I could learn to skate. I was pretty good, you know, at that floor hockey. So, you know, there might, I think there's a picture up here that, you know, I set a goal. There it is. That was going to be me in the Olympics. I was, I was shooting for that, you know, because we were doing so good. And, and so as this, as this hockey game is going, we get to the quarterfinal game, and we are feeling confident. We got this. We know we're going to bring home the cup. We're going to win this game. We're going to go on. I mean, it's, we're going to sweep it. 
we met a real hockey player. I don't know why he was playing floor hockey, but this guy was a real hockey player. He was amazing. And, I mean, he literally worked circles around us on that floor with his, his hockey, you know, stick and that, that hockey puck. I mean, he was good. By halftime, it was like 20 to nothing, all right? We were, we were being annihilated. Finally, it got so bad that two of our teammates turned on one another and knocked down drag out right in the middle of it. So we're having to pull them away from each other. You know, I'm thinking, guys, you should have teamed up and jumped on that hockey player, man. We might have could have won, you know. You take him out, we got a chance. It was bad. They forgot whose team they were on. They started, they started fighting the wrong battle. Today, we need to remember whose team we're on. You see, Israel had rebelled against God, God's chosen people. Most favorite people in all the land in the time of King Solomon's reign, they built this beautiful temple to worship in. World power. But they turned from God and began to worship idols. And as a result of that, they were eventually taken into captivity. The temple was destroyed. The city walls that provided protection for the people was knocked down. And they were taken into captivity for 70 years. Eventually, they would be able to return, many of them, to return to their homeland, and they came back to a mess, to devastation. Ezra led the people to rebuild the temple, and then Nehemiah, by a burden from the Lord, was able to come, and he was able to help the people to start rebuilding the wall that would protect the people. It was essential to have this city wall up because the, the, the enemy would come and, and attack the Jews. So they were, they were in grave danger. So they began to rebuild the wall, and they got the wall up to half its height. But then they got tired. They got discouraged because the enemy had gathered forces to stop the rebuilding of the wall. So Nehemiah told the people, he said, do not be afraid of them. And I love this next part, he said, in verse 14. Remember the Lord. He said, remember the Lord. Guys, remember the Lord because he's great and awesome. The Israelites needed to remember that they belonged to God. They needed to take their eyes off of the enemy and focus on the Lord. What's the application for us today? We need to be about the Father's business. You see, here's what it boils down to. Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, offered himself as a living sacrifice on the cross to pay the price for our mistakes. For our sins. He came to save us and to give us eternal life. We belong to Him. So we've got to keep God first in our lives. And you know what happens when we don't? Our life becomes a wreck. Everything crumbles around us. So stay passionate for Jesus Christ. Don't let sin creep into your life. Don't let busyness rob the joy of your salvation. Make time for God every single day and be about the Father's business because you're on His team. Secondly, second application, understand that the church belongs to God. The local church, Kavanaugh, Free Will Baptist Church, we're made up of believers. This is a family. You know what? We have an operating budget. We, we all give tithes. 
You know, we all do our part. But it belongs to God. It's not ours. Everything we have, it comes from God, right? So it's essential. You know, we understand the church belongs to Him. We stay unified. We stay focused on doing God's work, following the leadership of our pastors as God has placed Him to lead and feed us. And I'm so thankful that He has. So when we enter this place, remember it's sacred. It's God's house. So also be faithful and obedient to the ministry that He's called you to perform. You know what's amazing? I think about all, we don't even have time, but if we started right now, and I could probably go for 30 minutes to list all the details that went into preparing for this moment for us all to be here. You know, from the parking lot to the We Worship rooms to the stage, you know, to, to kids' territory to here. It's amazing. It took an army for this to happen. I was fortunate that I just had to turn a button on my microphone as long as I remember to put my microphone on. I'm good, you know? And all this was ready because people are doing what God's called them to do. And you had to be obedient this morning to get up and come here and to, to be in this house and to lift your voice up as we sing and to pray together. That's all part of what it takes to worship God. So stay committed to this church and remember how great and awesome God is. So how can we be a team player for the Lord? Number one, remember that we are on God's team. Thank you. Two of you were listening. That's good. All right. And secondly, we must recognize that we are under attack. We must recognize that we are under attack. I won't read all the verses, but in 7 through 13, uh, it, it shows that an enemy came up, several enemies came up against the Israelites and they tried to discourage them. They tried to intimidate them. They tried to bully them. And the Israelites' lives were in danger. They were literally in danger. So they were under attack. I've got a picture on the screen. This is my grandpa. World War II vet. He's in a foxhole. You really can't tell, but he's actually in a, in a foxhole there in the Philippine Islands. I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for the sacrifice of our men and women who put their lives on the line to give us the freedom that we enjoy because we couldn't do this right now otherwise. We wouldn't have the freedom. When I was a little boy, I loved to hear my grandpa talk about the war. He didn't talk about it very much, but I have some old tapes actually that, that I was able to record him on a tape recorder that I got for Christmas. So I still got those tapes, but this one story he told, they were they were on this hill, and they were at the bottom of the hill, and there was an enemy behind them, a trap, and then there was an enemy at the top of the hill. The only thing they could do was go up this hill, or they were going to be killed. And they began throwing grenades, because that's that's really all they had. And they had to throw the grenades over to the at the top of the hill and get over the top of the hill to try to drive the enemy back. And they had thrown so many grenades that a lot of the soldiers' arms gave out, and they weren't throwing the grenades far enough and the hill was so steep they were rolling back on him and blowing up on him. You see Mr. Tabor there. He also served in the Philippine Islands in World War II. And my grandpa, he was a real good athlete and a baseball player and he had thrown and thrown. He said he just couldn't throw anymore and there was this, this huge 
hulk of a man who was just an amazing athlete, but he would not fight. They were under attack, and he would not act like a soldier. And finally, my grandpa, out of desperation and frustration, he takes a grenade, he puts it in the guy's hand, he pulls the pin, and he says, throw it. The guy throws it farther than anybody had thrown a grenade all day. And then he began to throw grenade after grenade after grenade, and he led them to victory and literally saved their lives. Guys, we are under attack, and we need to act like it. You see, the, the Jews are rebuilding the wall, and the enemy did not like that, so they formed a plan, and they were going to attack the Jews and kill them. And the people of Judah, they prayed to God, and they set up a watch day and night looking out for the enemy. And as the work was so overwhelming, the Jews got tired and they got discouraged. There was debris everywhere and they thought, how are we ever going to get this job done? You know, we might as well give up because we're just going to be killed. We'll never get this wall rebuilt. It was a huge task. And they were getting reports every day that the enemy was going to kill them and their situation was very dangerous and very serious. But Nehemiah, being an amazing leader and an amazing motivator, did he throw up his hands and quit? No. Instead, you know what he did? He positioned men around the wall, all the way around the wall. And then this is so amazing. He set the people, according to their families, with spears, swords, and bows. Why did he do this? Because he knew that people were going to fight the hardest for their loved ones, for their kids and their grandkids. So Nehemiah prepared his people for battle. And they lived with the reality that an enemy was nearby. So application for us, know that we have an enemy who wants to take us out of the game. We're no different than the Jews. We have an enemy too. His name is Satan and he wants to destroy your soul. He hates you. So when you're tempted to sin, and I'm tempted to sin, we need to recognize the danger of the situation. Because temptation, it's not just something that looks fun, that's off limits. It's a demonic attack against your soul. We don't like to think about that, but that's the reality. Satan lays traps and snares. And when you give in to sin, guess what happens? You get spiritually discouraged, don't you? When you're living with sin in your life and you're trying to cover it up, you can act okay for a while, but pretty soon, what's going to happen? You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get down like the Israelites. Satan wants to ruin your life, so be on guard. Live with the urgency that there's an enemy near. Second application is we need to look out for each other. You see, the church offers protection and accountability. The church reminds us that we need God's strength every day to protect us. So we need to stay in the Word and stay on our knees because we're going to get beat up out in the world, aren't we? We're going to get beat up every day by the world. But guess what this house is? It's a refuge and a place of encouragement and shelter. We're in a war zone every day. So it's essential for our survival to stay plugged into the church. And guess what? I'm praying for you as you're praying for me. And if you need somebody to talk to, you can talk to me. And if I need somebody to talk to, I can talk to you. That's a blessing of a church family. I'm telling you what, the world doesn't offer that. Third application, acknowledge that accomplishing God-sized tasks will never be easy. We can't, but God can. 
Is God's arm shortened? Absolutely not. Is anything impossible for Him? No. No, nothing's impossible for Him. And God will use us, but we've got to be willing to pay the price. But the sacrifice is worth it, isn't it? It's worth it. Fear and temptation, they're real. But God will help us fight. And you know how the Israelites rebuilt that wall? One stone at a time. It was a disaster. There was debris everywhere. It was a mess. But you know what? Nehemiah rallied them. They got back on target. They got focused. And they picked up one single stone at a time and put it back in its place. How do we grow closer to God? Do we go from here to here overnight? No. It's one step at a time, isn't it? It's putting spiritual disciplines in our lives each and every day and putting the Word in your life each and every day and you build upon and you build and you build precept upon precept, teachings from God's Word. How do we build an army for the Lord at this church? How do we keep reaching people? How do we, how do we double or triple or quadruple the size of our church body? And by the way, why do we want to do that? Not for our glory, for reaching people for the Lord. We want to see people being saved. Right? How do we do it? It means you and me inviting one person at a time. It's you and me sharing our faith with one person at a time. Investing ourselves in the lives of others one person at a time. And if we will all be faithful to that, guess what will happen? We won't be bitten in here. But guys, we got to go out every day with purpose. we got to go out every day and be focused to share our faith and to reach people. A God-sized task, is it easy? Absolutely not. Is it worth it? Yes. So how can we be a team player for the Lord? Number one, remember that we are on God's team. Number two, we must recognize that we're under attack. And number three, we must remain faithful and focused in our service. Well, after my hockey career got cut short, I kind of quit training. And Billy, I quit running. No, Billy, he, he and Barbara, they're they runners. They run all the time. Well, I quit running for like 18 years. I didn't run anymore. All right? 18 years. And then last year, Merge, they were going to do this 5K color run. Right? Now, if you ever get invited to do a 5K, no matter how easy that Billy and Barbara Carter tell you that it is, you don't believe it. Okay? You don't do it. Don't do it. So I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't know about this. And then then I thought, you know what, Joyce, she's always want me to do a race with her. And I'm like, no, no, because, you know, we're, we're a real competitive family. I mean, we're real competitive. You know, I grew up playing sports. So I was real competitive. Joy was real competitive and athletic growing up. She was the drill team cheerleader. Now she's a CrossFit instructor. That means she's one of the crazies, okay? That's what one of, that's what one of her, the, the ladies in her class referred to her as. Uh, she's super tough and competitive. Our boys, Eli, he's, he's real competitive, just like me. You know, Joy won't even let us play board games anymore at the house. You know, <laughs> it's violent. I mean, it just is. You know, we all like to win. So I'm thinking, man, all right, let's, let's do this race. Let's do it. But if I'm going to do it, I'm all in. I'm not just halfway in, Kim. I'm all 
that's kind of how I am. You know, if I'm going to do something, I'm all in. So I didn't tell Joy, but I bought two tickets from, from Dave and Christy. One of the greatest surprises I've ever pulled off. Okay? So then I realized I, I got to set a goal. So I set, I set two goals. Freddie, two goals. First goal was I want to finish the race without stopping. Okay? Or walking. I want to at least jog. Okay? Across the finish line. And my second goal was to keep up with Joy. And I knew that was going to be the hard part. I knew it was. So I knew that I had to be secretive. Okay? And so I started praying, Lord, help me. Help me do this, Lord. So now y'all realize when I'm telling you know an illustration that 95% of it's true, okay? I'm kind of like Uncle Si. If there's a little, you know, dramatic effect in there, it's okay. That's just the illustration. That's not the preaching the sermon text, okay? So just remember that. So the first day that I trained, I mean, I had to start because I knew if I was going to finish this race, I had to prepare. I had to train. It wasn't going to happen automatically, Michael. So I get up. It's dark outside. Moon and stars are out 3 a.m. I put on my gray sweats. Eat some raw eggs. And I start my quarter mile run to the barn. It's more like a really slow jog. Blacked out three times before I got there. It was rough. 18 years since I'd ran. Well, day by day, I just kept going. Every morning, Joy didn't have a clue. Man, I'm out there training. You know, I mean, I'm probably shooting for the Olympics, you know, before you know it. And, and so the day comes. She still doesn't know. She doesn't know. I mean, it's the day before. It's Friday. Race is Saturday. Did I tell you all God's faithful? I've been praying, Lord, just let her have a really tough workout on Friday. Let her be really tired for Saturday, you know. <laughs> and sure enough, he answered my prayer, and she came home. She said, you won't believe the workout we did. We did all this run and killer leg day. I'm so tired. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. This is going to be great. Saturday morning, you know, we, I tell her the big surprise. She's pumped. Saturday morning, man, she's like, oh, my legs are sore. I'm like, yes, this is great. So we get there, man, we have our little protein energy bars and energy drink. We get in line. There's thousands of people there. We find we find merge. We get in there with them. People everywhere. When Joy's not looking, I have my second energy drink. She doesn't know. I, actually, I think you did catch me, didn't you? Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? I'm nothing. Second energy drink. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I'm ready for the pistol to sound, you know, fire off. But there's only one problem. When there's thousands of people. You wait a long, long time. Okay, we were way back there. So we didn't get to go in the first or second or third or fourth wave. We were way back there. So after an hour of standing in line, my energy drinks had way worn off. When we got there that morning, it was cold. Did I tell you that? I was wearing, there's our picture. I had on pants, long sleeve shirt, my duck commander hat. I mean, I'm ready. Well, by the time the race starts, it is warm. There's no time or place to go change. All right, so it's on, and I mean, we take off running. And it's hot. My energy drink's gone. But, you know, I'm going on adrenaline for a little bit until we hit the turn. You get halfway there, and you turn around. And then something psychologically happened to me. I was going strong until we made that turn. And then it's like my body said, we're done. 
we're done. And so then became the battle and the grind. And, and there's all these people. And so we're weaving in now these people. And Joy, she's got this little blue headband on. And that's all I'm watching is that blue headband. I'm just trying to keep up. And she's getting farther and farther. So finally, I dig deep. I mean, I give it all I got. I catch up to her. We're a quarter mile from the finish line. I, I go down. I just grab her ankle. She's dragging me across the finish line. We finished that race. Finished. All the training was worth it for that moment to get across the finish line. Guys, God is faithful. God's faithful. And the enemy's plans were brought to nothing. He squashed their plans. And the people continued to rebuild the wall. They kept working because the job was enormous. But they had a goal was to finish the, the city wall and hang the gates back up so that their city would be protected from the enemies. That was their goal, and they stayed focused on it. And as they got the city wall built up, the enemy, they were persistent. So you know what they did? They set a trap for Nehemiah, and they tried to lure him away from the work. They tried to lure him away from the work. And, and I love what Nehemiah told him. He's up there working. He said, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? You see, accomplishing the task that God had given Nehemiah was more important to him than anything else. He was on a divine assignment, and he did not forget it. He knew that if he got down from the work, and if he left the work, the people would become discouraged. And he knew that the enemies were just trying to weaken them. So he prayed for God to give him strength, and they finished the wall, hung the gates in 52 days. They did what was not humanly possible because God gave them the strength. They stayed focused on the task. Application for us today, guys, finish strong. Don't get distracted. Never give up on the dream that God's given you for your life. Life is short, so you better invest your time and your energy in what matters. The only thing on this earth that's going to heaven is a soul. We are called to take the gospel to the world. We've got to reach the lost. So stay focused. You know what? It's easy to have good intentions. But it's another thing to put it into action. You know, it's easy to commit to a ministry. It's easy to say, yes, Lord, I'll do this, I'll do that. But guys, it's another thing to fulfill that calling and to finish it out. And every one of us, we have a ministry. Here at this church, we've all got something to do. And if you're wondering what it is, just, just come see one of us and we will put you to work. Don't worry. We'll find something that you know needs to be done. Because there's a lot to do at this church. Is it busy work? Are we just trying to keep people busy? No. You know what we're trying to do? When a person comes into these doors and they don't know Jesus, the only thing we want them to have to worry about is being able to hear the gospel. We want to introduce them to Jesus Christ. We want to make that as easy as possible for them to come here and meet Jesus is their shape. That's what we're about. It takes the entire team, the entire army, the body of believers for that to happen. This is the sending center for ministry. So stay plugged into God's house. Don't drift away. Stay focused and finish strong. And remember this. We each have an individual responsibility. Nehemiah, he led the army, but you know what? He had to make a choice. No, I'm not going to come down from the wall. I am going to stay focused. I am going to finish this task. Guess what? 
We have a team here. You have a body of believers to help you and encourage you. But you know when temptation comes? It's when you're alone. And so you as an individual, you have to make a choice because you have a free will. Are you going to give in to it or are you going to be strong? Are you going to make a good choice? Our sin, our mistakes, they don't just affect us, do they? It affects your family. It affects the entire church body. So finish strong. And remember your individual responsibility. The world wants us to conform to its way. So be careful who you listen to because your choices affect the entire team. So choose wisely. Today, God is calling you at this moment to be part of his team. The first step to being on his team is knowing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, today I invite you to come and to give your life to him. Jesus died on a cross to take care of our sins because all of our sins, we've all sinned and that earns death. Heaven's a perfect place and sin will not be allowed in. So the only way we're going to get into heaven is if our sin is removed. And the only way our sin can be removed is if we confess that sin to Jesus and ask Him to be our Lord and Savior and believe that He died for us and rose again and confess Him as Lord. That's it. So today, in just a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer. And if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, I ask you to stand up. Don't even think about it. Just step out and come to these altars. Come to the front. Somebody will be there to pray with you and show you how you can be forgiven of your sins. And you can gain the greatest gift of all, which is eternal life in heaven. Be part of God's team. Secondly, remember, we're all under attack and we need strength. So today, would you just come and pray for strength? Whatever the needs are in your life, whatever the battles you're facing, come today and give them to the Lord. And we're all facing them. You know, we all do. We all face battles. Come today and find strength at the altar. And finally, would you come today and just commit to say, Lord, I'm going to stay committed to your house and to your ministry and to your work and to spreading the gospel. I'm going to commit to that like never before, Lord, and I'm going to share my faith and invite people and get them into God's house. Would you commit to that today? Let's bow for prayer. Would everybody stand? Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus and for salvation. Lord, thank you for everything that's went on today in your house. But Lord, right now is the single most important moment. Because right now, your Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts. And Lord, there are people here today that need to be saved. There are people here today that need strength. There are people here today that just need to renew that commitment to you and to your service and to stay focused. Lord, would you help them to just respond in obedience and trust to you right now. And Lord, as we have this time of invitation, as we open the altars, I pray that Lord, people will come and they will they will take care of business with you. Lord, just move as only you can. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever your need is today, would you just come and join me at the altar this morning?